0: Hey, this is Brett Miller with the NWFA and another episode of Wood Talks. Today I've got a special guest and a good friend as a guest speaker to talk a little bit about um, himself and his background. Uh, today's guest is a second generation wood floor man. Um, he got into this industry in the summer of 1976 when he was 12 years old working for his dad as he and his brother did up in, uh, in Illinois. He continued into this craft through college, started in elementary school, made his way through high school, and and even through college, working on wood floors. With their company, they've been a member of NWFA since 1987, second year that NWFA was in existence and have been members ever since. My guest is Michael Dittmer, one of our regional instructors, uh, and, and a good friend, Michael really gives a lot of credit to those in our industry who have been giving of their knowledge and expertise for so long. Individuals such as Tom Piotr and Chuck Crispin, who you know really passed on their legacy and their knowledge to allow the rest of us to continue learning and teaching to keep the craft alive. Mike has also been one of our regional instructors when we, you know, one of our original regional instructors when we first started this program back in 2013, I believe. Now, with all of that, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you introduce yourself and just share a little bit about your background, your history, how you got into this industry?
1: Um, I'm Mike Ditmer. I'm a regional instructor. I have been in the industry uh, my entire life. Uh, we... My brother and I are both in the business. We worked full time with my dad, uh, like through summers. And I don't always wonder if it was my, my dad just wanting extra help on the job or getting us out of the house away from my mom. We don't know what it was, you know, but the first summer we worked was the summer of 76. And uh, I remember it. we, we did a big furniture store downtown Chicago. And so it was me. I was in fifth grade in 76 and my brother was in seventh or eighth grade. And, Uh, We dad went to Sears, he got uh, two uh, blue um, carts, and the semi-truck showed up full of bondwood parquet. And our job basically for the next two months, two and a half months, was to install the first floor and the third floor of this furniture store in Chicago at Michigan Avenue and Chestnut Street, kitty corner from the John Hancock building and and that's what we did all summer we would go down there every day of the week and we had a system and you know we'd be installing one section and then the next section would be sanding and staining and then the next section we'd be giving it a coat of wax and so we'd rotate the sections through the store and eventually by the time the end of the summer was we had the whole store Installed and then, as we'd get areas complete, the company would come in and put the new uh, vignettes of furniture in those places. And we just gradually worked through the store. And so, uh, so like full time, uh, I think what you, uh, 76, I was 12 years old. So, I worked the whole summer with my father doing parquet floors since I was you know 12 years old. Uh, so,
0: do you know, have you been up there? Are those floors still in?
1: No, the floors still aren't in. The, the building came down. There's a big, huge high rise um, at the location now. But I actually do have uh, one of the clients. Um, that I I work for and we're friends with um, that we got from that furniture store. This one lady's name, her name is Bonita Kairos. I worked for Bonita since I I could drive, since I was 16. She built a nice new house, and then after school, I would meet my dad. The job was only like 15 minutes from our high school, so I would meet my dad and work from 3 o'clock to 5 um, o'clock, installing the parquet floors in her house. Um, in Oakbrook, and so Benita is still one of our customers, and we go in and clean, and wax her floors still. And so that was—I'm going to guess—that was 1980. Um, but that was a client that we we gained uh, through a referral from that furniture store back in the day.
0: Wow, it was amazing! So you second generation, and your brother got into this by way of love of the trade or by being forced in well,
1: <laughs> through family? Well, I think I think it both ways. We both enjoyed. You know, we we both kind of enjoy the work. Uh, We because we're family, we're kind of I don't know forced to work. But you know, uh, I've got two sisters, and so like I've got a younger sister. uh, She only lasted one or two jobs, and she says not so much. And I've got an older sister. You know, she made it a couple of years. She said not so much. So my brothers and I, my brother and I, were the only ones that were really uh, tolerant and could uh, could deal with the conditions. We'd work with my father. The sisters would come on the jobs because there was a number of um, of Catholic high schools that my dad worked for. The principal knew the principal, worked for the principal, and. Uh, we would do the floors in these high schools every summer. So it would be clean and buff and recoat with, uh, you know, polyurethane or varnish back in the day. So my sisters would help come and re- they had a little bit more um, eye to detail and a little bit uh, neater than us boys. So dad would bring, you know, my oldest sister in particular would bring her um, and help her, you know, she would help. You know, stripe out the gyms back before we didn't even we didn't have tape machines back then. We were just rolling the tape out and had a chalk line strung out and tried to um, try to keep a uh, good looking straight line. But you know, you know, back you know in 78, 79, which is a long time.
0: The history that goes back, especially in big cities like Chicago, knowing the the type of floor work that's gone on and and these these old buildings. Uh, it is kind of a shame that the buildings were scraped and new high-rises put up in their place. I'm sure a lot of the product hopefully was salvaged at one point. Mm-hmm. Growing up in this industry, what's the most memorable project you were ever on?
1: With me, it's not so much the project. It's the clients that we had worked for. Um, we've worked for one of the owners of the Bulls. And then I'll just tell you, I went to high school with, one of the, with the daughter of one of the owners of the Bulls. And um, we grew up together. We had grade school, high school together. Lived in the same town. It was always um, uh, just a different relationship working with them because they owned the Bulls and she owned part of the Bulls, and part of the Sox. And so they always offered me tickets. And so especially to go to the Sox games. And so my mom was a Cubs fan. And so my mom would, would get. Would, we couldn't even talk about the Sox in the house. So we could. I could never take tickets from Julia. One day, Julia's like, "Why don't you ever go to the games?" And I'm like, "Julia I says, my mom's like." A Cubs fan. I said, there's no way she'd kill us if so we went to, to one of your games. And so it was It was always the people. We always worked for these interesting people. We, we worked for the owner of, of the Blackhawks. Bill Wirtz was the owner of the Blackhawks, owner of the stadium in Chicago. And I remember, you know, having um, coffee in Bill Wirtz's house in Winnetka. And I remember working in the house, and I remember meeting him. And it was so fascinating to work for him. And then, you know, talking about Bill Wirtz, I mean, if anybody's a hockey fan, it's particularly a Blackhawk fan. We did a lot of work for Blackhawks players. So, one of my dad's favorite customers was Stan Makita. Stan, God rest his soul, Stan passed away about a year or so ago. But a great guy, nice down to earth guy. Uh, Mrs. Makita was the most down to earth woman. Uh, you ever did meet um, every year religiously, she'd call us up and say, hey, Mike, it's time to come and replace the chair tips on the floors because I don't want nothing to happen to my floors. And then I went to school with, um, you know, Mrs. Makitas with one of the daughters. The daughter's a couple years younger than me. And I think I was at the college at the time. So the the daughter was still living at home. And so she was giving me a hard time for going to college, going to graduate college, and then going to go follow the same career path in the trades with my dad. And she's like, oh, why do you want to, you know, do this work for a living? It's so hard. You should, you know, have a better career. You're going to have a college degree. You have something more respect. And she really started giving it to me and laying it down on me. And I just gave it right back to her. I says, listen, it's a it's a good trade. It's a good profession. You know, we, we take care of a lot of people's home. I says, for gosh sake, I says, we've worked for your mom for 10 or 12 years. We've done all the floors in the first floor of the house. And I says, we provide a good service. We provide a good income. I says, my dad's been able to provide for a family. I go, what's the matter with it? It's a good, honorable profession. And so um, and so I just, I did my best to, to wash my P's and Q's. But and then it was a balance because she's kind of a customer but but she's a um she's my age and I and i she was only a couple years younger than me living in the same town so i i but I had to watch what I said and I got done talking to her and then um about 10 minutes, she left and mrs Makita comes up to me and I'm like oh boy here comes mom. so Jill comes up to me and says oh Mike you know thanks for putting my daughter in a place. sometimes she gets a big head on her she needs to she she needs to be set straight thanks for Treating her straight, I'm like, oh, okay, great, Jill, thanks, you know. But it's, but it's really, it's, 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 the people, you know, it's the people, the personalities that you get to work for that really that make it enjoyable. And then, um, and I've been lucky enough that I've been able to uh, increase my skill set. So, no matter w- at what level they are, I'm able to to have a good relationship with the clients. Plus, I'm also able to to uh, satisfy their expectations as far as the workmanship that's required in their homes.
0: It's a perfect scenario, and 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 you hit on something that I think is so important, and that's that you know a lot of uh, well today specifically. you ask my kids; I'll I'll talk to them just about every night if they let me about what college means, the the fallacy that every kid has to go to college, and what the schools are pushing on every kid has to go to college or else you're not a successful person in this in this world, and talk to my kids about how I preach to them just about every night. But I think what's so important is something that you just said when you were speaking with Miss Makita's daughter about standing up for the industry and, and the craft that you love. Most people who are in our industry don't just lay down floors and then don't think twice about it. We have so much pride in what we do, as you said about your customer and correcting her, because you had pride. You have pride in everything that you did and everything you produced in her home. Our industry is also filled with people that have college degrees and have gone down a path of being engineers or lawyers or name the other trade and have gotten out of it and come to our trade because they appreciate working with wood and they appreciate that satisfaction that you get when you complete a floor. What's your best Advice to somebody who might get that—I uh, won't call it a lashing—but might get that that customer that questions your integrity as a as a mechanic, as a professional in this industry. Um, if if they're there to actually question you as your as a person, as a professional, as somebody that maybe isn't doing as good as they think you should be doing, what kind of advice would you give somebody if they if they run across that? Because I know we all have.
1: The the thing that I strive for, and this is myself, and I've just you know got a lashing from a customer just in the last two days because she thinks that I didn't do a good enough job on her job. It was a rough old floor. It was a antique heart pine subfloor. Had three layers of linoleum, every two inches on a two inch grid. There was a tack in the floor, and so uh, she didn't think we pull enough tacks out. We didn't get enough tacks out of the floor. And so, I've learned the older that I get to um, to don't immediately attack. Just uh, take it in and let it sit in you for a little bit. Think about it, and don't react harshly, but just react subtly and calmly, and and give them your side of the story, and try to to show them a picture of. How and why you've done the best that can be done on that job um, but but never lash back always um, go back as, as gently as you can, but still stand up for yourself don't let them bully over but then again, but you need to be convincing and you need to and I try to to verbally draw them a picture so that they understand well ma'am, uh, the reason why those staples are still on the floor is because they were pounded down in the, into that wood. After that first layer of linoleum, and there is two more on top of that. Because and then he explained how the sanding process works. So that, listen, we cut it with 16, then we cut it with 40. If we would cut it with 16 and 40 grit on our drum sander, and those staples were still up, they would wreck my drum. My drum cost $800. Do you think I would wreck an $800 drum for a $900 job? I don't think so, ma'am. And you try to paint them the picture of, of of the reasons why, and you be as gently as you can about it. And so, when people question your integrity and your craftsmanship, you say, "Oh well, you know, I have been in this trade, you know, full time since I graduated college in '86. Um, I haven't ran my own business for 24 years successfully because I'm 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 doing a bad job. I'm going to training." I'm learning new techniques and new, so I can give you as a customer the best that I can. I just, I don't do the same thing I did five years ago, nor do I do the same thing I did 10 years ago. So I'm always improving my craft to offer you the best. And I said, and that's, you know, that's why I'm a craftsperson. I don't, I just don't go in and, and out and do the same job for 10 years. I completely always try to improve what I do to make today's job better than I did five years ago. One of my, one of my, we were talking about my favorite stories. One of my stories, we uh, we did a dining room for a lady. We gave it the final coat, and um, you know, it's time to get the check. And she goes, ah, oh, I got one question, Mike. And I go, what's that? She goes, oh, come over here into the kitchen. And in the kitchen we did five years ago. She goes, you know, I I like I don't like this threshold over here in the kitchen. And I said, "What do you mean? I don't like the way it looks." I'm like, "Well, what's the matter?" Well, well, come up here to the foyer and then to the dining room. That you just did, and I said, "I oh, said, yeah, I said that looks a little bit nice." Said, well, why didn't you do that in the kitchen? And so then I had to sit there and I had to think and I had and it took me like a minute to kind of to to get my senses together. And I said, "Well, I says here's the best way I can describe it." I go, "You're a mom, aren't you?" She said, well, yes. And I said, "Well, I says um, I'm kind of like you." She, said, "What do you mean, Mike?" And I said, "Well." I says, are you a better mom now than you were five years ago? And she's like, well, yeah, of course. I says, I says yes. I said, so we all strive for that. And I said, so five years ago, I didn't have the skills that I have now. And I said, so now this threshold we did here is better than I did five years ago because my skills have gotten better than where I was at five years ago. I says, just like you as a mom. And she's like, oh. Okay, I understand now. That's why this one looks better. Like, yeah, it's because I'm always trying to to improve what I do to give you a better a better quality outcome. So, did you
0: replace that threshold for me? No, she was happy with
1: it. She she didn't even make us replace it. She was happy with it. She she. Um, she really just needed to hear the explanation because it did. It did look a little bit different. It was, but it was just like, you know, the, the more you do things, you, you refine things, you refine how it looks in the process and, and, and you should get better at it. That's right. And, uh, and then once she understood that and, and, and it's, you always try to, um, I always try to put something in into their perspective, and, and so I knew she was a woman, and I knew she had kids and so and I knew that she would understand being a mom and she and, and I knew how she was because we did a lot of work in her house, that she was definitely going to be a better mom now than she was five years ago, so I put it to a, to her in a relatable form so that she could the light would turn on in her head so that she would understand that
0: and that's huge, and that's honesty, it's being honest, it's telling it like it is, it's telling the truth and yeah. I think Like you said, people appreciate that and they see you for what, for what you are. Tell me about your business. Is it just you? Do you run by yourself or do you have multiple crews or do you have somebody else that works with you? You still with your
1: brother? Um, I just have one helper, uh, probably about, um, I think you're now about 10 years ago. Um, I, um. Having to, probably longer than that, maybe 15 years ago, probably 15 years ago, um, having um, I had 10 guys. Uh, we, we, we did a lot of um, upscale work in the North Star of Chicago, um, having 10 guys and working six, seven days a week. My wife at the time uh, asked me to, to sell my business because I wasn't home. And so henceforth, it, it, it made a change in my life. I sold that business. I sold that business to my brother. He took that business over, and um, I just started my own one-man shop out by me and essentially um, spent 8, 10, 12 quality years with – I have twin boys with my twin boys.
0: That's great, and the reason I ask that, I I, I knew that, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's important. It seems like um, through education and through – stories everybody's striving when they come into this industry they're striving to to grow their business into something that's a large company or you know it, it seems to be the the goal to have several crews and 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 run large businesses and although for some that makes sense for
1: others it doesn't so if it's just you and, and I have a, of, I have a helper I've got a guy Luis who's worked for me for 15 years so he is, I joke, because he's he's better than me, because he's fussier than me, and he's fussier than me because he has the employee side of things, and because he has the employee side of things, he makes sure that everything's perfect, 100%, so that he doesn't have to catch anything from me. So he's even fussier than me at doing the jobs. And so he's got a great personality. He's a skill craftsman. And, um, and then just the two of us that, um, that do the jobs. We do them all from start to finish. Nice. And, um, and it works. He gets paid well, gets good benefits, and it works good for him. And it works good for me as well, too. And so it just, it, it, you know, my income isn't as great, um, as when I had the 10 guys, but, um, the scale is well on my, better on my side now, because I have a much better quality of life now, because I'm not running as hard and not babysitting as hard. So the, the offset of the income versus quality of life is, is a whole lot better for me. I mean, a couple of years ago, uh, my son Joe was in a very bad car wreck. And so because it was just me and Luis, you know, I could, I toned things down for three months. You know, we probably did 40, 50 doctor's appointments, my son and Joe and I did. And so I was able to, to lighten off on the work and just keep enough to keep me and Louise kind of going. So I could concentrate on making sure my son Joe got the help that he needed and got back on his feet and got back into school. Um, and that offered me that flexibility to be able to do that. If I was, if I had the, the 10 guys, um, I wouldn't be able to do that. And so I was fortunate enough that, um, would just mean Luis to be able to, 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 to tone things down and to take care of my son.
0: Yeah. Our industry is a hard industry. It's, it's hard physically for us. Um,
1: how do you keep in shape? Um, with me, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. <laughs> my sister is luckier still. I've got a younger sister. She's 10 years younger than me. And so she, um, she lives on Maui. And, you know, she, uh, she's got the island girl life mentality. So she's in shape and she takes care of herself, watches what she eats. And um, because she grew up, you know, at the house with all the rest of us, and she knows how hard of work that we have to do for a living. And so probably it's about 15 years ago now, uh, my you know, sister's been on the island. Uh, she started pushing me that I need to really start taking care of yourself, Mike. And uh, I'm like, "What do you mean, Marie? You need to start going to yoga. You need to start exercising." I'm like, "What do you mean, Marie?" So she, you know, started pushing me hard on it. And so I said, "Okay, Marie." So then I, um, there's a yoga studio in town, and I started going to yoga classes. And then I, you know, so um, this has been 12 or 15 years now. So I'll go to classes once or twice a week, um, a studio class, which is usually an hour and hour and a half class, and you get a great workout. You got you know, you're, you help your muscles you help your body and um, you also help your brain it helps you to think clearer and straighter and helps you to kind of focus a little bit better because, you know, my brain is, is always in, in crazy places. And so it just, it slows me down a little bit. And then if I don't have time to go to the studio, um, I'll practice at home. There's tons of YouTube videos that you can get. And I've got some people that I, I like their routines and I'll practice either in the morning before work or I'll practice after work and then, um, to to even further that still the to keep me focused and to kind of keep me uh calmed down i i've started meditating for the last year and a half so i'll get up in the morning have my cup of coffee let the dogs out go sit down and meditate for 10 or 15 minutes um and then i'm ready to start my day it kind of clears my brain up because um you know, we've got uh, 500 feet to sand and finish today. We've got repairs to do. Um, and then we've got yesterday's job to give a finish coat. So we, so, so I'm not always thinking about that. It just kind of like gives me a little break, do that, slow down, and then I can you know, get into my day. And it helps my day to move a little bit quicker that way. It helps me to organize my time a little bit better that way. And it's been helpful to me. Because we, we only have one body that we need to take care of. Uh, I know another gal... Um it's it's like, you know, we take care of our physical self too and it's like wearing gloves. Another gal who's she's a she's an artist. She paints at watercolors. Um her name is looted in top of my head, but she's like a super talented artist. I mean she sells works for hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I mean she's got a the focal point painting at Allison Transmissions in Indiana. I mean they paid like a hundred and fifty, two hundred grand for her uh work of art. And, um, she, uh, would do a lot of painting with her fingers and stuff and using the paints. Well, the paints and stuff had lead in it. And so she got, um, and and other chemicals. And so because she used her hands so much, she got, uh, skin cancer on her hands from using the paint so much over the years. So this is probably about five years ago. She was doing a piece uh, close to my house and I'd see her once a week working on this big piece before she brought it to the corporate headquarters and, um, every time I see her, she'd go, like, let me see your hands, Mike, let me see your hands. So she'd be like, oh, you have been wearing gloves. Where are your gloves? And so she just, she'd keep beating it into me. And so now I don't, I don't touch any finish or stain without any gloves in my hand because it's just, you know, Wayne was talking about it uh, yesterday. I mean, your skin is your biggest organ. And so um, besides the physical exercise and stuff, we need to, to use hand protection, knees, knee protection just to take care of ourselves. And, you know, uh, I always, you know, wonder, you know, we work with chemicals. We sand chemicals off. We deal with wood dust. Um you know we, i I wish I was more cognizant of this stuff twenty thirty years ago as I am now, but um, but it's for the younger people in the trade it's a good thing to remember to follow, you know remember these are chemicals um, that we're removing that we're applying in the floors. We need to treat them my like chemicals we don't know what the long term effects are, so we need to take care of ourselves
0: Part of what you do outside of just flooring is you own tree farms. just uh, talk a little bit about your
1: your side business, your hobby. So, so it's, we have a, um, a, a registered tree farm. It's an FSC because it's in the tree farm program. It's FSC certified. Um, so our lumber, um, has been cut our for our farm. has had a management plan for over 20 years now. Uh, it's a sustainably managed farm. We don't do clear cutting. We only, uh, cut, uh, trees that are marked crop trees and in different value trees, we um, have owned the property. Uh, we started on the property probably almost um, 29 years ago. Um, and we, we just, we, my buddy and I that I grew up with, um, we, uh, we both like to hunt. We both were getting tired of trying to find a place to hunt. And we said, well, let's just try find us a piece of property. So we bought the piece of property. And we're like, oh, what can we do to make the property better? um than it is now and so then we kind of got involved with uh, managing it to plant trees managing the existing trees and it was just kind of fun to to um to to see a little you know six inch stick that we planted five years ago now it's a six foot tall oak tree and then, like, my my buddy Joe, who owns the farm next to me, he planted some hybrid walnut trees that were uh, genetically selected for their growth. And they're, all those trees are 21 years old. And, um, gosh, they're probably, some of them are probably 20 inches across now. And so you look at what he planted. It's like an acre or two, and it looks like a forest. And we have um, some marginal farm ground on our property and we planted trees there 21 years ago we planted red oak white oak walnut cherry and hickory and just was basically it was rough farm ground i mean it was it was bad farm ground in the 70s my neighbor um He's like 10 years, he's in his 60s. He's 10 years older than me. He remembers farming, we call it the hourglass field. He remembers farming the hourglass field and, and getting terrible crops out of it way back um, in the 70s with his dad. And so he's like, oh my gosh, you guys finally, you know, this is planted in trees, it was a terrible farm ground. So what we've done is we've taken this this rough farm ground and planted trees uh, for the long-term investment of someday my kids will harvest the trees. And then we've managed the existing timber uh, so that we can harvest some of the trees now, we can harvest them in ten years and do another harvest in another ten years. We can do a rotational harvest of those trees that are in the forest, and so it's um, uh, you're, you're improving the forest. Like we've worked, we we because of the emerald ash borer, all the ash trees are coming out of the woods, and if we had just left them in the woods, they would have just gone to rot. So now they're um, either milled up in the states for flooring. Um, or to trim and stuff like that, or they're exported as logs abroad, and they're remanufactured into something else. You know, granted, we might only get fifty bucks, hundred bucks a tree uh, for these ash trees, but they're di- dying or dead or gonna die. So they've harvested all those. We've been able to uh, to gain an economical gain from those trees and put them to some long term. Um, intrinsic value, whether it be flooring or trim or whatever they're going to uh, mill out of that lumber. So we're constantly improving uh, that woods um, for the next generation. And that's kind of how we look at it. I, I always look at the property as, as something that um, when I go, when I'm gone, I want it to be better than when I found it. And that's always my objective is to, to improve upon it. That statement, I, I think, is,
0: is perfect. I think that's one that, um, I mean, I've I've lived by that one. Whether it's the homes I live in or whether it's the, the floors I leave behind, my objective is to always leave something better or to its best capability um, than when I found it. And and whether it's homes, whether it's a piece of land, whether it's a floor, um, I love I love that theory. That's 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 key. And it really does speak the story of
1: what our industry is all about. I mean, it starts with the tree. It starts with that little sapling. So, so this would be, be a little sidebar. This is a little sidebar. And this is kind of a, it's an interesting story. And it's just like the interesting, it's, you know, it's about some of the interesting people that I work for. So uh, we did this job probably about um, 12 or 14 years ago. Um, the lady's family owns Cole's department store. Um, her name is Beth Cole. She's a great lady. They have a gorgeous house in Winnetka, a fantastic house. So when they um, built the house, they had two white oak trees at the front of the house. One of the white oak trees died during construction. So um, we um, had the uh, tree people cut the tree down and load the tree on the trailer uh, to make some flooring for her master bedroom. Um, out of that white oak tree that came from the yard yeah, of her house. And so, I mean, we didn't do, we we got most of the room done with the white oak for her bedroom. Then there were some pieces that were sawed into lumber that uh, were kind of wavy and kind of curvy, and you really couldn't make any lumber out of it. So that just sat in the shop. So probably about um, three years ago, I came across the pile of wood, and I'm looking at the one piece of wood that we had left over from Beth's house. I'm like, ah, you know, I can make a pretty cool table with that, you know. I said, you know, I'll, I'm going to make a table for that, and I'm going to bring it to Beth. as like a present. So um, I worked, you know, for a month and, and sanded it down and, and made the whole table, just like a coffee table, coffee table or a bench. And I made it, and so I called up her, I was working up in the neighborhood, and I called up the night before, and I called her husband up or or, um, called Gary. You know, I called the house, Gary, and I said, hey, Gary, it's Mike Dittmer. Um, I'm going to be up in the neighborhood. I made this bench um, from wood from the big tree that was in front of the house. I just want to drop it off at the house. Oh, okay, Mike, I'll tell Beth you're coming. I said, okay. So um I show up to the house at like eight o'clock, ring the doorbell and Beth answers the door and says, Oh, oh, um, what are you doing here? She says, Oh, I'm sorry I didn't put I didn't put the check in the mail because we just had done like a cleaning wax like a couple of weeks before. And so I'm like I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, I've been sent you a check in the mail. You're here to probably get the check, aren't you, Mike? And I'm like, No, Beth. I says, No. I says I, says, I don't worry about that. I says, um I says, Didn't you talk to Gary last night? No, I didn't talk to Gary. I says, oh, I says, Okay, I says, Come on out here. And uh, she says, "What? What? What's out here?" And I, and I show this beautiful. Oh my gosh, it's gorgeous, Mike. What, what's up with the bench? And I said, "Well, Beth." And I told her the whole story, and, um, and she starts to cry in the driveway. And I and I says, "Beth, this is a gift for you. It says, this just came from your house, from your property. It belongs in your house." And she goes, "Michael," she goes, "Even at our wedding, nobody gave us such a thoughtful gift." She goes, "This is the 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 most." the best gift that I've ever received. She's, let's get it in the house. Let's get it in the house. So we, you know, her got in the house and she had a place already to put the bench outside her, her master bedroom. Um, but it was, it was, you know, recycling this tree that was in front of her house. And then I'm just like, it needs to go back to the house where it was harvested from. That just kind of completed the circle. And it was... Uh, it, it, it made me felt warm in my heart. I'm like, I did the right thing. I mean, I, I, I created something beautiful that's going to be with this lady for the rest of her life and for her family's life. And that's just kind of bringing it about for full circle for your customers.
0: Man, that, that, I love that story. I can't thank you enough for everything you bring to our industry, um, as a regional instructor, as, as a craftsman and as a teacher to the students, um, Thank you again for all your time and thank you for for being here talking today too.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Um, I try to bring my uh I, hate say, I feel like I'm getting old. I feel I feel like I, I try to bring my years of experience to the to the other students here that are at the school. Uh, so they can understand my perspective of looking at things and doing things uh, just to help them grow, grow themselves, to grow their businesses, um, really help them grow themselves and their businesses and, and to provide for their families better in the long term. And that's kind of what I look for, is to try to to bring them up to help them out as well, too, based upon my years of experience in the industry. And I thank you for the opportunity to, of working with these people. I mean, great people that have committed their time and their energy here um, to take the class to improve their skill set, which is, a, is an accolades for them. It just shows you their commitment to improve themselves.
0: Well, the other thing that you bring to the students into the classes is a sense of peace and clarity and that's something that um, your expertise speaks right through all of that so thank you so much